right, welcome to another episode of Digging Deeper. Robert here with Pete the Dragon, which I will never stop saying that. It's my favorite thing right now. Um, there was a small group at our church that decided that Pete was Pete the Dragon now because you were preaching with fire on Sunday. Isn't, isn't uh, oh, never mind. Oh, that's Puff the Magic Dragon. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. No, <laughs> we're not going drugs. that way. Nope. Pete's Dragon is not about drugs. No, nope, no, it's not. All right, so I no. guess we'll give that. No, honestly, phenomenal, phenomenal message. Um, impassioned. Um, I could tell it was something that you are, uh, it's very near and dear to your heart and to the way that you think, your whole theology and everything you spoke on. Jesus. On Jesus. Yeah. Specifically, this idea of the supremacy of Jesus, the, the fact that he is not just at the top of your list, but he is the entirety of it or should be, right? And so when you were kind of like looking at this scripture and, and you read this passage in, in Colossians chapter one, um, at the first glance, or even, you know, as you started to study it, what made you really go in the direction that you decided to go in? Um, what made me go in that direction? Um, I mean, you, you went through, I mean, you could have easily spoken on just really kind of raising what you did really raising up Jesus and kind of going through each different piece and talking about why Jesus is so great, but you really brought it home in a, what I thought was a very powerful way. And you really kind of showed the, the, the comparison of what we sometimes do when we just put Jesus on our list versus making everything in our lives, like center around Jesus Christ. Yeah. What made you decide like, let's, let's hone in on this portion of it. Um, I don't, I, I don't have an answer for that. Sorry. I just, I, I popped in my head. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I oftentimes will, uh, take a passage when I'm preaching and yeah. I'll just, uh, like usually like in my own devotional time uh, in a normal day, I'll, I'll have like a Bible reading plan. And, uh, but if I'm preaching, I might change it and just focus on a passage for a couple of days and reread it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, write things down that pop into my head. <laughs> um, I also will then, I like to always start with, like, looking at the context, the history and things. I take a bunch of notes from mm-hmm. that. And whatever rises in my brain usually is where I focus. So I don't know that there was anything specific uh, that came to me. I guess it was more just when I, I would say, like, reading it a few times, I was definitely like, I want to talk about, you know, the the exaltation, the centrality of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe it was just a next step to what does that look like in my life? And that might be the, maybe that's a better answer to your question. Mm-hmm. I, there was a very specific moment in my message when I, like even in my notes, it was a clear cut new direction, which was um, I spent 20, 25 minutes sort of looking at how this related to ancient Greek pagans and then I was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything because we're not ancient Greek pagans. So what does this look like in our lives? How do you actually apply what I'm saying so it's not just some philosophical, metaphysical Jesus is yeah. King, Lord thing, but actually in your life? And so I got to that point even in my notes, and I, I think in my own process, I, I think I stopped and like saved it and closed the document and came back like two days later. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I need to make this actual relevant to our lives today. Yep. And that was where I went in sort of the last... I guess 10 minutes or so. 
which I appreciated that. You even kind of mentioned that that tension of you can look at this and, and look at the, the church in Colossae and say, well, they were just worshiping a bunch of Greek and Roman gods, and that's not something that I would do and the things that I would face. And then you kind of made a list of things that maybe we uh, would kind of prescribe to or look toward, things that we'd put on our list. And a lot of things, what I really was grateful for, a lot of things on the list weren't bad things. They weren't necessarily even unimportant things. There were things like families and friends and your job and so forth and so on. Like you had some some things on there that were important things, good things, but Jesus was just one of them. How do you see that kind of playing out in modern Christianity right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the irony of this. Um, I, <laughs> the way that I like to do things I wasn't actually happy with my message. What? Um, no, really? I, I really wasn't. Oh man. So, um, I was. I felt like God was in it. He I, was. I felt like um, in the days leading up, I felt like He was really saying, "This is what I want you to share about." My tension was, I felt, I felt like the second part of my message, when I was making it more practical, was really what God had put on my heart to share. Good. And the first half was me just trying to be true to the text. <laughs> and the part of me that is like, I must be true to what the scriptures say. Yeah. I, I'm not just going to grab a passage and say whatever I want to say. Absolutely. So I have to like find a link or connection. So for me, it was like, uh, here's what I think this passage says. However, where I sort of landed, and this is all inside of my head, and it doesn't really matter for most people. I really do think that some of what Paul was saying there was so directed to paganism that I, I've I've taught on this passage to uh, my New Testament survey class, and I often I'll often say something to the effect of, "This passage today has direct relevance to people in India. Like if you oh, if you yeah. are a Hindu, like this passage. If you're a Hindu who hears about Christianity, Paul wants you to read that that paragraph. Like it's, it's not Jesus and Vishnu or your other gods. Sure. It's Jesus only." I think what for us is like we got the message, uh, we that 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 passage sunk in, and paganism was basically eradicated in the Western mm -hmm. world because of Paul saying no, only Jesus. So for me to take a passage that really was speaking to an ancient world about like paganism, and I mean, yes, we have a tendency to overemphasize reliance upon human leaders presence and things we don't literally have to worship one as a god <laughs> so yeah. um and yeah we Some we differences. we can we might put things as idols in our lives but we're not literally worshiping them as gods yeah. unless we're you know some kind of like wiccan or pa paganism so for me it was like okay I, i've taught what the text means now let me find a way to actually bring this into a way that's relevant to your life and i think in doing that what i didn't want to do was make it i didn't want to make a comparison between what paul would call rulers powers authorities things that you're giving your worship to and marriage family and finance like those aren't the same thing because there's nothing wrong with like god uh -huh. marriage is of the lord go get a job <laughs> yes. know, god wants you to have some money and be a good citizen so he doesn't want you worshiping caesar um so for me it was more about okay it's not don't add these things to your life no, these are part of your life today. It's then, okay, well, where does a supreme Jesus fit in that list? Because mm -hmm. in the list of other gods, he's the only one. In a list of things in your life, well, 
and I even said, I'm not saying you have to quit your job and leave your family and go live in a monastery. Like being him being supreme in our lives today is is I had to nuance it a little bit and sort of almost change the direction from where he would have been, I think, talking to a an ex-pagan in the first century. Um so yeah, I don't I don't look at marriage and say like if you're married, that's an that's an idol in your life or it's no, I'm just saying like there's a way to approach marriage where Jesus yes. is at the center of it um, that I think aligns with what Paul's doing there. And, and the direction you went, and I, and I want to return to what you've been just talking about now too, but the direction you went, really something that you and I have talked about a whole lot just in our own friendship and conversations about how tempting it can be to compartmentalize your life and leave a Jesus compartment in yeah. your life and then have a marriage compartment and a, and a family compartment and a job compartment. And all of a sudden you compartmentalize everything when really Jesus is supposed to be the entire circle and everything else is underneath the headship and the Lordship of Jesus. And you did such a good job, such an yeah. amazing job of really illustrating that in a powerful way. But I, I love what you just kind of admitted was your process where you had this tension of you wanted to be true to the text in a, in a, academic way, but also in a, um, integrity way of, of really raising high the word of God and getting truth from this. Um, but also at the same time, you felt like God had put something on your heart to say that the text was talking about. Now there's probably a lot of people that are listening to this or watching this, that when they go through their own time of Bible study, there are some people that will go so far to the academic side of it that they will just study like the Bible as a academic text, and they know a lot about the Bible. They understand the context and the cultural context about it. They understand all the background and the the audience and the setting, and they they get all that. They are fantastic at the inductive, the um, Bible study. The I mean, I don't want to use a bunch of big words, like a bunch of ways to study the Bible and be true I to the text so. and stuff like I that. Hope there's a lot of people like that, aren't right? They? <laughs> well, so there's those, but in that, they may also unfortunately miss the heart and also hearing from the voice of God as he speaks and starts to call us to apply scripture to our to our lives here and now. And then there's people that would maybe read something and cherry pick verses. You've seen this, right? They cherry pick a verse and then all of a sudden they'll take that verse out of context to make it mean whatever they want to make it mean because they feel like God spoke that to them. And so how do you hold that tension between um letting the word be alive and active, if we want to use that kind of language, uh, letting it be something that even emotionally is is helping drive some certain things or spiritually we're hearing from God and God's speaking through his word. And then also looking at the scriptures in a very academic, true to the text type of way. How do you hold that tension as you are in, even in your own personal Bible study? How would you advise people? Um, I think when you have uh, having kids and or even just in a relationship with other people and you see their other kids. I think a lot of times what you see is this natural tendency in children to gravitate towards one end of a, of a spectrum when mm -hmm. it comes to safety. Some kids are just born to play it safe. Like, you know, the rule followers, you know, putting on the seatbelt, even when you don't ask them to like, never, I'm not doing that. That's dangerous. Then you have other kids that are just like, if I can jump off it, I will. You know what I mean? Um, and those are two extremes. Mm -hmm. If you asked me to pick one of those extremes for one of my children, I would pick the overly safe one <laughs> because they're not going to die. Okay. Um, they might not always have adventure, but they're not going to die. And if you said, Pete, uh, you can pick two extremes for this person, that they be super analytical and make sure they're studying the Bible correctly, 
or they're just running with it and pulling stuff out, I would, I'll take the first one sure. 10 times and then on the weekends double. Like I would <laughs> much rather you be overly studious than, yeah. le, than not studious enough. And because what happens is when you're overly studious, you might miss some of the heart and the passion, but you're not going to be led into heresy and false teaching. Yep. Whereas when you just grab stuff, then you're just going off in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And the problem is when you're talking about God's word, if I just grab something and run with it, if I think in my head or I communicate to somebody else that God has said X, Y, and Z and he hasn't, well, then when it doesn't work out, now I have a problem with God. And that's a very dangerous thing. So sure. to yep. me, like I would rather you play it safe with the scriptures than play it fast and loose. Now, obviously, the, the goal is to not be in either of those extremes. Mm-hmm. And so how does that look? Well, here's what, and again, I'm, I'm coming from a bias. I know that because I'm an analytical person, but I'm also a person that has spent a lot of my life in non-analytical church environments, very charismatic, very spiritual. Exactly. I know it's kind of a, yeah, where the Bible, you know, and so I, I do have in my own life kind of a middle ground and here's my middle ground. Like, um, so when you do the work you're now ready and open for everything else oh that's good so i think the problem is i don't people say well i don't want to do the work i just want it to speak to me yes well that can happen but it can also be dangerous but when you do the work and it's in you and then you let it speak to you yep. then you've reached a sweet spot and so for me like okay so i'm 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 at this stage of my life. I'm 45 years old. I've been in ministry of some kind for 25 years. I have a doctorate in the New Testament. When I open the Bible and read it, um, like in, with my journal and my headphones and and you know a Diet Coke, um, I'm actually not being overly studious with it. So like if you were to look at my journal, I, honestly, that's, we're, we're recording this podcast a little earlier than normal for me, but <laughs> I actually haven't opened the Bible today yet. But like yesterday, if you went and opened my journal, I read, uh, I'm doing four books following through. I, 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 I got to the end of Nehemiah and I went back. So I'm in Genesis 4. I'm in Psalm like 130 something, hmm. Luke, uh, I think 13, and then I'm in Romans 6. So I'm reading each of these chapters. And if you were to look at my my journal, it wouldn't be... You know, philosophically, Romans 6, Paul is already, I, a lot of times it's questions. I literally wrote this yeah. in my journal yesterday, okay? I'm, and I've been, I've read Genesis. I've taken courses. On, I've taught Genesis and I'm just reading it. Uh, you know, Cain uh, kills his brother Abel and, you know, God basically puts a curse on him and Cain says, whoa, don't do this, God. If anyone finds me, they'll kill me. And he says, no, I won't let anyone do that. Yep. And I'm, you know, I'm just reading it and I literally wrote my journal. I said, God, why did you have to do this if uh, Cain was one of three human beings on the earth at the time? Uh, and who was his wife? Where'd she come from? And I just wrote that question mark. So you yeah, might be like, there you like go. okay, so I'm I'm at this stage of my life and I'm still asking those questions. Okay. I'm still wrestling with those things. I'm not, my, my oftentimes my notes about my Bible aren't like, what is the theological context here? Or oftentimes I just write questions. Or what I try to do is I try to say, if there is something I need to think about here contextually, do it. But a lot of times I've already done all that work. I've done that work earlier in my life. And yes. so it's already there. When I open Colossians, I already know the context of it. So now I can just say, God, what do you want to say to me? And so I have a commitment where I, I write something every time I read a chapter. So I'll, I'll write like Genesis four colon underline. And then I have to write something, even if it's a phrase or a sentence, sometimes okay. it might be a paragraph, but I have to write something. Now, when you say something, give me an example. 
Um, so I was in, so Psalm 137, I think I read yesterday and it okay. was something, uh, it was the list of, um, uh, praise the Lord for his good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. You know, they kept saying that. And there was nothing about that chapter that, uh, was like, it was kind of boring. <laughs> I was like, okay, he saved you out of Egypt. I don't know. Um, and I got to the end of the chapter and I, it, it takes me, I don't know what, 30 seconds to 40 seconds to read the chapter. And, um, I was like, um, Ugh. I was tempted to just like turn the page and be like, no, um, write something. Okay, what would I write from that chapter? And it forced me to pause for a minute and say, I, I had like this moment of looking at myself in the mirror and saying, okay, this is God's word, Pete. Um, is there anything you want to say for me to this verse, God? Uh, and then I just kind of went back and started rereading it a little bit slower. And nothing stood out to me. Like mm. nothing hit me. Like okay. it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. But when I got done, I just said, you know, the commitment to write something made me write, I'm grateful that your love endures forever, even when nothing is standing out to me in this passage. It's great. I literally wrote that down and yeah. I, I moved on. And that was okay because like I, there, there are other times where I might end up writing three pages because something just sticks with me. My point though is like, I do read the Bible now when I'm just using it to get closer to the Lord or spend time with him. I'm not reading it what you might call academically. I'm not I'm not thinking about the context of ancient city of Colossae and mm -hmm. all this stuff. I'm literally just like, okay, are you, am I making you supreme in my life, God? Like Amen. Yeah. um am I living in line with this? But I can do that without a lot of fear because I have taken the time to study yes. the past. Yeah. There's a, there's a grounding. And I think what matters is when you're if you're looking at the scriptures from sort of a blank, oh my gosh, uh, I've never done this before. I think the place is to start is like, let's get some grounding. Yeah, it's fine. It is to say, I'm going to study the Bible. If this is the word of God for my life, then me saying, oh, it's too big. I can't study it is the dumbest thing I could say to myself, right? Like how, how important is it to spend some time really understanding and learning it? Spend a year of your life just studying it. It's the word of your creator. <laughs> like what else are you going to spend your time on that's more important than that? Amen. And Get once it. you do develop some basic understandings of the foundation of it, then when you're opening it and just reading it more, what we might call devotionally, I think it's easier to let let it speak to us. And it's not speaking to us in ways that are sending us off to become heretics or start culture things, but we understand the basic of it and God can just use it to flow in our lives. And I see that a lot, like in my wife, you know, she has mm -hmm. such a good foundation. It's awesome. When she reads it devotionally, like God speaks to her through it, but it's not sending her off in the left field, being weird. Um, and I and I think that's important. Did I answer your question? Yes. I don't remember what your question was. No, that was that was can exactly say, what I want you to go. I just want to say for the record, we usually film film this Pete's episode pretty on tired. Mondays, and we couldn't get it done on Mondays. Like, let's do it early Tuesday morning, and I'm like, oh, what day is it right now? <laughs> Pete's a little tired, but I'm just not I'm not completely awake yet. But but I want to answer what you kind of said because or, or respond to it because I know you, Pete, and I will tell you and I'll tell anyone who's listening that that moment of passion at the end of your message, I understood was because of your preparation, but also because of your relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and I and I love and admire and respect you. Um, and I'm not trying to fluff you up too much right here right now, but just like let me tell you, like your intimacy with God, not only in a studious type of way, but also in a spiritual type of way, 
I love when God speaks through you and uses you and he used you on Sunday in a really powerful way for our church. And I believe mm-hmm. that if you did not watch the message, you need to right now, like turn this off and then go watch that, <laughs> come back and watch the rest of this next. But you know, it was a really powerful way that God used you. And and I, and I know that it was something almost, it felt a little bit different than sometimes what you usually do. And in some ways, in a lot of ways, it felt very familiar, felt like you, but I knew that it was a passioned moment that came from a lot of preparation in your life, a lot of spending time at the feet of Jesus. And so thank you for your example and just your spiritual leadership in that as well. Now, Pete did mention that this is early in the morning right now that we are filming this. And so to to try to get Pete's brain firing, sometimes what I'll do is I'll just argue with him. (laughs) And so um, I started by kind of mentioning at the, you know, at the beginning of our time, before the cameras turned on and the the microphones were were recording sound, I mentioned and said, you know, your whole passage that you were given were at, was actually going all the way to verse 23. And I said, but you actually stopped at verse 18 and verse 19 to 23. And I, and I said this and I said, it was your opportunity to preach the gospel. Why didn't you preach the gospel? And you got kind of lit, right? Why? Well, let's take a step back. <laughs> okay. Um, my, uh, I, I really, I genuinely don't want him to feel weird, but uh, a friend of mine, um, and he, a friend of mine posted something in our uh, our life group group chat last week. Excuse me. And it wasn't like I totally. It was one of those things like I totally understood where he was coming from, and I. So it wasn't. I, I don't want him to feel like I was coming at him or anything. It just really created a opportunity for discussion. Mm-hmm. So Super Bowl Sunday, yep. there was an ad posted by a group called He Gets Us, and the He Gets Us ad was. There was a couple of them, but the one that I was focusing on was this just semblance. There was a bunch of literal still shot pictures mm-hmm. of enemies washing each other's feet. And then at the end, it said something about Jesus didn't teach hate. He gets us. And I finished watching it and, you know, people were watching. It was kind of quiet. I could hear it. I watched the whole thing. When it ended, I, my thought was, huh, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I wasn't like blown away by it, yeah. but it was like interesting. I, I, what a kind of neat idea, whatever. The last slide made me a little uncomfortable because there was like a really flamboyant guy and a Catholic priest. And um, I was like, but I see what okay. you're, they're wanting to be provocative. Mm-hmm. I, I was just like, I don't even know. I wouldn't want to say shocked because nothing shocks me anymore. But the reaction to that thing by christians was crazy and i mariah sent me this this like gif that was like i didn't so see funny. the commercial or understand any of the reaction so I was... she sent me this this picture later and it was like two like really strong muscular arms like holding hands i saw that and one of them said like atheists yeah. and the other said like like conservative christians and like they finally agree on something they hate together it was so strange like christians just blasted this and it was just like and I'm 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 trying to like follow some of it, and I'm like, why are you angry? Because there was like gay people in it. Like, what do you what are you angry about? And then somebody actually, like within like a day or two, somebody had made their own ad. Mm-hmm. Like they had literally created their own Super Bowl ad. Like, and it said this is what it should have been. Yeah. And I watched the ad. Somebody posted. I and I'd already I had already seen it a few times before someone posted it, and it was. Like a like a testimonial video of a person saying, "I was a drug addict. Now I'm not. I was a prostitute. Now I'm not." Right, and it cool. was good. It was like yeah, it sounds both great. Sounds great. great. Yeah, and the person that posted it on Twitter or X or whatever literally said, um, "The Super Bowl ad 
was a travesty because it had an opportunity and refu- and didn't actually say anything about the gospel. And I looked at that phrase, didn't say anything about the gospel. Like they literally said that. Here's what it should have done. Here's what they should have done. And when I watched it, I, I it kind of like hurt my heart a little bit because hmm. the 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 new ad that they made was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Yes, look at the way that God's Spirit has changed those people's lives. Yeah, what a blessing. Awesome. But if you think that is the gospel and the other ad wasn't, you don't understand the gospel mm. and you don't understand Colossians 1, 15 through 19. Mm. When God said, I am reconciling all things, he to didn't just say, well, I'm saying with the part that I preached. Okay. He wasn't just saying, I am helping you become a better person individually. He was saying this creation that I created and that I loved and these image bearers who I put on this earth to manage it for me, part of the gospel is God saying the way that you guys have been killing each other and and just warring and destroying my world for thousands of years, I am going to do something about that. And Mm. I'm going to call you to be different kinds of humans, to live differently and to treat each other differently, and to make this what it was always supposed to be. Mm. That's the gospel. The gospel is that God is reclaiming the world as his own through his King Jesus, and calling everything within creation to bend their knee, and to once again start living the way they were created to live in line with his will, like he is doing it. So Euangelion gospel in the ancient world was a political announcement about a king taking a throne or being born. It was like there's a ruler who is coming that's going to make things right. That's yeah. God, that's that's Euangelion, good news, gospel. It doesn't just mean any good news. It, it was a political statement. So when God says in human form, I have come to bring about the kingdom of God on earth, and the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to ask you to get on your knees and wash that sinner's feet, that is the gospel. That is absolutely the gospel. And what's crazy is the, the the video that the other people made was completely individualistic. It was all what Jesus has done for me personally. I see where you're going with this. When what okay. that Super Bowl ad was doing is saying, that's what Jesus is doing for the world. He's bringing, mm. he's bringing down barriers and divisions and walls between people. He is telling us, that is how I want you to treat one another. Yeah. That is the gospel. And people say, oh, you're just, that's a liberal social gospel. No, the liberal social gospel is ignoring the other side, right? Is ignoring that God does have a personal salvation experience for an individual. I don't want to get okay. rid of that. Okay. I don't want to remove that. The second ad was good. It really was good. And I, I would use that in church. But all of it is the gospel. Neither of those things, it, the gospel is higher than both of those things. The gospel is that Jesus is king and he is the Lord of heaven and earth and he's calling all people to align their lives with him. And that means individually, it means you choosing to leave drugs and addictions and other things and find the life he's created for you. And communally, it means you start loving and washing each other's feet and being kind to people you disagree with and being humble even when someone makes you angry or does something you don't want to do. It's all of those things find themselves as part of life in a kingdom when God is king. And God being king is the gospel. Which Jesus being king, the supremacy of Christ is definitely the gospel. And then Paul goes on and he talks about the sacrifice of Christ. That's the way, right? That that Jesus made for us to be reconciled back into relationship. 
Are we on the same page with that one? Sure. I, I, like, I believe that the sacrifice of Jesus is what paves the way for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Good. And the Holy yeah, Spirit, yeah. God in us, yes. is what then allows us and gives us the power and the direction to actually wash sinners' feet. Yes, which then takes on <laughs> it, the, the it suffering relation or er, yeah, ministry of Jesus. It brings yeah. about having a restored connection with God and His Spirit and His voice in our lives is bringing about the life God wants in our lives. But I think what we need to keep in mind is what is, and we've talked about this before, like what is this ultimately aiming at? What are we getting at? What's the purpose of the gospel? Yeah. And I think what I, what you and I were kind of about. Is it to like, get us to heaven like, or is it to right. help us? When, start you look, to, when you minimize yeah. the gospel to Jesus died to pay a debt for your sin so that when you die, you can get into heaven, you've, you've completely missed verses 15 through 19. Like you've completely missed the point of what Paul is saying. Is there a problem with my rebellion against God and the sin nature in me that keeps me from living the life I'm supposed to live? Absolutely. It had to be dealt with. Yes. But I think what happens is we we like take a we take like a, a, a microscope and focus on that one issue and call it the gospel when that's just part of a bigger story. That's like an aspect of this bigger thing that God is doing. And so when someone says that's the gospel, that's not the gospel, I'm like, you're pointing at multiple things that are outflows, that are things that come out of this gospel announcement of kingship and lordship of Jesus. Life in the kingdom requires, to join God's kingdom required something because I was a rebel who started a fight against God. Good. To even get so, back so in the now kingdom. now there needs to be yeah, something some had to, reconciliation. There had to be a way to get back in the kingdom. Yes. But now living in the kingdom is a whole different kind of life. All of those things are gospel. Me getting into the kingdom is not the gospel. The kingdom itself, the announcement that the kingdom has come and is inviting me to participate in it is the, is the announcement. So but You being welcomed into the kingdom is a huge part of the gospel as well, right? The yeah. fact that you were once alienated is what is the words that he uses from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, which is I kind of would, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature. So, I mean. So notice he said, first of all, yeah. you said, you quote the last, when we were talking, you quoted the last phrase, but didn't the phrase before it. When he says, the hope held out in the gospel, meaning I've already yeah. talked about the gospel. You need to keep hold, hold in it. What is, the what is the announcement? What is the thing I'm wanting you to hold to? What I want you to hold to is that Jesus, born of a woman, the lineage of David, lived, claimed kingship, and proved his royalty through death and resurrection and exaltation to the right hand of God. Yeah. That is the gospel that Paul lays out in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think what I'm getting at is like, and this is this would be like a really dumb analogy, but <laughs> like, um, take say take, just take a book, a famous book, um, like like the the Hobbit, maybe the Hobbit. Hobbit, good book. So in go. the Hobbit, uh, there is this whole thing where Frodo or Bilbo uh, finds a magic ring in a cave. Right. Yep. That ends up spawning a three book trilogy called Lord of the Rings that comes later. But in The Hobbit, it's an, it's an important part of the story. But if I said The Hobbit is the story of Bilbo finding a ring, I would, you would say, well, hold on. 
That's he part finds of it. a ring. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. He also fights some some I don't know goblins. He like he meets some other dwarves. He 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 encounters yeah. a dragon. Like, and I think that's what I'm getting at when people say this is the gospel. Yeah. I'm like, I think you're misunderstanding what Paul meant when he used the term gospel. The announcement, the bigger, like the overarching story called gospel is presented to us four times in the Bible. The gospel, according to Matthew, mm -hmm. Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books tell a story of God becoming a human and claiming ownership over the world and calling people to follow him and submit their lives to him yep. in order to bring about the world that God wants. And making a way through his sacrifice and death. Which isn't actually a major part of those four books. Like, none of those books say that. Paul says that later. Mm -hmm. Like, none of those books say, like, the reason Jesus died was so that you could go to heaven. Or, or like, all of those books show the surprising nature of the king who was supposed to come and restore the world. And this is where we, you and I were talking. Yeah. The surprising nature that the way that he brought about victory was through suffering and death. Yes. The way that he conquered the powers, the authorities, the rulers that Paul's talking about there, the way that he became greater than those things was actually by laying his life down and suffering, and in doing so, calling us to do the same. So, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, man, I'm on a roll here. I like this. When this so somebody good. sees a Super Bowl ad depicting mm. human beings laying their lives down and going beneath and humbly serving people they're fighting with, disagreeing with. Mm and has the gall to say they don't understand the gospel, you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand. I didn't even see the ad, for the record. Like, I haven't even like looked at you, it yet. To say that that has nothing to do with the gospel is to completely misunderstand what the word gospel even means and what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all show for us in plain, clear mm. pictures. That mm. is what Jesus did. Yeah, a lot of humility and then Jesus said, you now do the same do thing. Just as I've, <laughs> like, yeah. That is the gospel. Yeah. You do the same thing. So did I like the ad? I wasn't crazy about it. I don't know. Okay. It was a little cheesy. It was a little weird. But to hear that someone say, that's not the gospel at all. Like, it's, it's certainly part of it. Like, it's got to be part of it. How mm. can you say it? Not at all. Mm. Uh, you know, and and I think you know, Pete and I just for the record, I didn't mean to get him off on a Super Bowl ad. I didn't know he was going to do that. But you know, Pete and I, I love our conversations in this realm, and and part of it is also to use your analogy about the Hobbit and if if Bilbo finds the ring, you know, kind of deal. And if we said that that was the entirety of the story. I also understand that without finding the ring, the rest of the story doesn't even happen, right? Like, like, and I know that there are so many people in our world that have not found like the truth that King Jesus is, was, and will always be all that they need and all the hope that then that they're looking for and the source of healing that will actually sustainably heal them forever and make them new again. And so I, I know that and, and I'm, and I'm passionate about that. And I know that there's a lot of people that are lost and looking for hope in all the wrong places. And so I really want them to use your own analogy to find the ring so they can be part of the rest of that story too. And so um, I, I love it. We, uh, Pete and I, I assume you're not, I mean, my assumption, because like, I know, give you the benefit of doubt. I'm assuming you're not implying that I didn't. No way. No, 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 not at all. I'm not implying that at all. I mean, I think for me, my attack was especially towards the end was like clarifying like the reason you make a decision to put Jesus at the center is because he's Absolutely. Lord and he knows better and he'll bring about 
the life you're looking for. Absolutely. So I think the whole thing was yeah. choosing to do this, choosing to put Jesus in this place in your life isn't servitude or shut your mouth, he's God, do what he tells you, although that's true, but it's also doing it because you acknowledge that the reason that you're turning to all these other gods in the first place is because you're looking for a certain kind of life. Yeah. You're looking for something. You you want And that's all found in Jesus. Right. The the kingdom life is a better life. Amen. And the the kingdom life is the response to the thing inside of a human soul that says, I want something, but I can't seem to find it. <laughs> that that's the answer. The life you were made for exists in God's kingdom. But I agree with you a hundred percent. I know that I can't enter the kingdom without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like admission into this is citizenship is submission to the king. It is bending my knee to its king and swearing allegiance to him and saying, you're in charge. What do you want? And Hey, like, <laughs> thank you for forgiving me for rebelling in the first place. Yeah. Um, I can't do that with Muhammad or Buddha or anybody else. Um, I certainly can't do it with myself. I can't just mm-hmm. decide myself. Like Jesus is, Jesus has done everything to let me back into the kingdom. But life in the kingdom is the good news. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I can actually experience something better if I will now submit to the king right. and trust him to lead my life. If I don't, simply going to church on Sunday and trying to be whatever, like doing your Christian thing doesn't actually bring about a better marriage. Like, and that's the thing, like, well, I'm a Christian. Why is my marriage failing? You might get some tips that'll help you, yeah, like, but, but like, it doesn't actually no, help. What yeah. brings about the marriage you're looking for is in every day and every moment with your spouse, the relationship is being influenced and guided and directed by the way that Jesus wants you to treat and behave your spouse. And so I think that's the thing is like, well, why do so many, you know, why do so many Christian marriages fail? And I'm like, look, sometimes people are human, they're just broken, there's nothing you can do about it. But there's a lot of times when you dig into it, there is this sense of like, well, by Christian, I mean, I go to church on Sunday, not by, I mean, yeah. when I'm talking to my wife, I'm thinking about the way that Jesus wants me to talk to her. Like, how can I make my marriage like an action of worship? Right. Yes. And, and even just like the, I mean, like, let's bring this back full circle. The image of, um, the last image of Super Bowl Ed was this very flamboyantly gay guy okay. having his feet washed by a Catholic priest. And it was like it was it was a, it was a sharp image. You were supposed to. There was no doubting what you're looking. There's supposed to be at. some controversy yeah. over that. Like, and it makes us. It viscerally makes us like. Oh, yeah, yeah, come on. Well, aren't I supposed to? Aren't I supposed to tell that sinner they're a sinner? Oh. And here's the thing. Let me oh. just say this. Like, it's the gospel is also truth. Yeah, there's times and place for truth. But what if in your marriage, marriage was all about truth? And it, great example, man. What if it great was like, example. what if I said with my spouse, it's all about telling her the truth. Yeah. When she's wrong, she needs to know about it. Yeah. And never about washing somebody's feet. Great example. Your marriage would last a month. Yeah. Like there are times that I do need to speak to my wife and say, hey, let's talk about this. But even then the way that I'm talking about it, I don't yell at my wife and say, oh, you're stupid. That's wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't cut out pieces of cardboard and stand on the, on the side of our driveway and hold it up when she drives in. <laughs> Repent, woman! How uh, dare you stacking the dishes that way in my house? Like, the core central premise that I am called to live out in my relationship with my wife is not speaking truth to her. It's washing her feet. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't believe that being a, an ambassador of Christ and a herald of the gospel means I only serve people and never say anything. I don't believe that. Good. Yeah. I don't believe okay, so that's the other just stream. washing feet. Good. At okay. some point, that person needs to know why I'm washing their feet. So good. It needs to know why there's a better life to be found when you yes. follow Jesus. And, and that there is a relationship to be had with God that's so fulfilling. Amen. They'll never. There Paul even says, how would they ever know if you don't ever say it? They'll, they'll never have faith if they don't hear the message. Mm -hmm. But what I'm getting at is there's this odd sense that like to say, and again, it's, it's, it's extremes again. We're, we're talking about extremes. Yes, we are. To say that washing feet of somebody who disagree with has nothing to do with the gospel is just as stupid as saying it's only speaking truth, right? It's... Mm. A relationship has both. But, and this is what's difficult, if you're going to look at it in a real relationship terms, I don't think it's 50-50. It's hmm. not 50-50 with my wife. Yeah. It's not 50-50 with my kids. It's not 50-50 with my friendships. If I was 50% speaking truth with everyone in my life, I would be a lonely SOB it's, <laughs> like, with no relationships and no friends. It's probably 80% truth with me, right? You just Well, you, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you need it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's probably 80 to 90% <laughs> laying my life down and yeah. washing the feet of the people around me, proverbially, and occasionally 10% being and like, hey, able to. we need to speak some truth here. Yes. So I like, and again, now I've, 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 I've kind of addressed two things. I've talked about the relationship of the gospel, but also even like when Jesus calls me to follow him in my relationships, like the place I'm starting is the gospels, these four books. These four books aren't full of Jesus saying, make sure you're yelling at all of your friends and telling them where they're wrong. And telling them to repent. And, it's yeah. love each other. Turn the other cheek. Like, forgive one another. How many times? Seven, 70 times seven. Yeah. Here, let me really, you sh I want to demonstrate for you the kind of relationship we have. Watch me wash your feet. I'm going to act like a slave right now. And yeah. You do something disgusting, humiliating good. to show so how good, much man. I elevate you above myself. That's the example that he taught me to live. So being a Jesus-centric person is not to be a person that goes to church on Sunday and listens to Caleb all week. It's to live a life that follows his example in my relationships with other people. It's to say like, this person is driving me nuts. I want to punch him in the face. I'm bringing Jesus into this. And that means I'm going to humbly like love you and speak kindly to you. And it means like, hey, I have an opportunity to maybe fudge the numbers and and make some more money here. That's not what Jesus has called me yeah, to. Yeah, I'm going to have integrity. Like, and, what yeah. I, like in all these different areas of my life, he's influencing me in the way that he lives. And so the Super Bowl ad did not tell the whole gospel. But here, here's let's end okay, here. Okay, this end is here. good. This is let's good. Let's end here. It's you good. know what? You just pointed out that I didn't preach the whole gospel on, on Sunday. And I didn't. You know why? Because I had 40 minutes and you didn't I was have covering the whole... one topic. Exactly right, yes. And they had 30 seconds of the most expensive airtime in human history. <laughs> Give them a freaking break. And by the way, I didn't accuse you of not preaching the whole gospel. But I, I didn't. just, I, I didn't. just said... You didn't. You didn't cover yeah, the sacrifice part and, and the, the reconciliation. I preached a part of it because you were preaching to the portion that you could. That, one, that you that had one opportunity ability for. I couldn't read you the There's, entire. That's what book I wanted of the you Hobbit to get today. to. There you oh, go. I just read one chapter of the Hobbit. Yeah, like, and you could read the whole thing. You could have chosen the ring, but instead you chose how someone became the king. Right? Yeah, sure. I, yes. and that's I. I don't. I'm not saying I preached the whole gospel yesterday. I'm just saying like, the gospel is bigger. And we're looking at parts of it. And, and I think understanding so that gives us clarity that we're 
all these different conversations so are good. still inside the gospel. And I think that that, to close with this, I mean, that even goes back to the way you did preach your message, where you talked about how we compartmentalize so much of our lives and we put Jesus on the list. There are also portions of the story of Jesus that we prescribe to and say, this is everything for me, you know, and we'll just take that part of Jesus. Jesus called people to repent uh, and, and then that's all we'll do, right? Or Jesus just served others. And, and that's will, and that's all we'll do. And we'll ignore that he called and, people to repent. And yeah. we'll ignore the rest sure. of it. And so so even having a really holistic understanding of the gospel, a really a really complete understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, of King Jesus come um, to rule and to rescue, yeah. right? To do all of those things, right? It is really important in living a life that would really reflect who Jesus is and make us truly little Christians, um, or little Christ Christians, right? Since I still have about eight seconds left here, I do want to point out when Jesus told people to repent, it was rarely about sin. Mm. It was almost always about who their allegiance or loyalty is towards. Um, to repent and believe in me meant you stop following that guy. Follow me. Follow me instead. Um, so, and most of those people were religious people already. Uh, it wasn't really sinners. who was calling to repent. There you go. That doesn't mean that a sinner doesn't need to repent of their Mm -hmm. sin. Um, you tell people go and sin no more. We do, sure, yeah, a couple times, not very much. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, t- I mean, you got four books. You said that yeah. what three times total? Um, like the one time that people quote the most is probably the least likely or- original part of the Bible, <laughs> the the sinful woman, hmm. where he tell like most scholars don't believe that was original to scriptures. Even your NIV Bible will say we don't we don't know if this is original. Um, I just dropped a bomb right there. Yeah, the dude, you can't drop yeah. that at the end of I our that digging from the stage, deeper. Actually, I, I okay. thought on that All right. like, last year when we were going through. John. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, I do believe it's inspired word of God, but I, I'm just yes. saying, like, I, I'm, I'm, it's like and people can listen. It's like, oh, Pete's saying we shouldn't tell sinners to not repent. No, no, I'm not saying that. Pete's not saying that. I'm saying not at all. In the grand scheme of things. What am I prioritizing? What is first? What yeah. is what is what did Jesus represent the most important thing to me? Supremacy. Was to love my neighbor. <laughs> oh, you're saying that. Okay. Well, actually, no, no. Oh. You're right. Okay. The first thing was supremacy. Yeah, love supremacy. God was first. And then love your neighbor yes. was second. Not tell your neighbor they're a sinner. And people will say, like, well, it's love to tell your it's love to tell someone they're a sinner. And I'm like, sometimes, but again, uh, go home and live that way with your wife and see how it works out. <laughs> Honey, it's love for me just to tell you why you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, good luck with your lower back sleeping on the couch for the next six years. No, I appreciate. Um, and, and listen, I really appreciate your, your whole look at scripture. Um, I love how much we get to challenge one another. I really do because Pete and I, you and me, we couldn't be, um, sometimes more different, but also more unified in a lot of ways. And so, I'm grateful for that. I, and I hope you got a little snapshot into some of the office conversations and hallway conversations that Pete and I get to ha- have. It's usually Pete talking and me just listening and and, and admiring his intellect. But uh, <laughs> I haven't talked about the Super Bowl ad stuff. The Super Bowl ad was new for me. I did not see that coming. So you know what? I, I kind of squirmed. To be I honest literally with you. was like... Kind of squirming. I wanted to... Re- <laughs> I thought about doing like a social media post about my thoughts about it. And Bad I, idea. I was like, you know what? That's not really loving people. No. Uh, you I'll can, I'll wait till I can yell at you about it. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you over the head for beating people over the head. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. I thought that way. I'm like, yes. I would just be doing the same thing they're doing. No, nope, probably not. With but them. you brought it up in a conversation about the gospel. So I did like, not. I did not bring up the Super you, Bowl ad. But you were talking about what is the gospel? Is yeah, it, is it just great? Yeah. No, I so. appreciate this. But I I hope that this also challenged you, sharpened you, helps you understand that there is 
um, some diversity, I think, even in like focal Are you talking points. talking to Dawson right now? And I'm talking to Dawson right now. <laughs> like, but in, in approaches Dawson, to I hope scripture, you a lot this morning. <laughs> focuses on the gospel. But honestly, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Your preparation will make way for those moments of passion. Your preparation and, and your study of what the, the text says will allow you to be prepared to hear from the Holy Spirit with a lot of accuracy. And you'll know that it's coming from the Word of God because it aligns with the Word of God. Preparation, life. passion. Am I saying a lot? Am I are my P's really? No, powerful? we were doing that earlier when yes. we were sound checking. <laughs> this is dying. Those strong this P is... words don't sound great on podcasts. That's true. But listen, a we'll podcast. see you next time on digging deeper. <laughs> see you next time.